Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to yet another Coleman Had a Dream podcast. Uh, hello, Ruth. How are you? Hiya. Doing all right. What about you? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks. Not too bad. It's uh, It was snowing this morning, and now it's glorious sunshine, so that has cheered me up no end. I went on a nice uh, nine-mile run this morning, and the last four miles were directly head first into a snowstorm, which is just what you expect in the middle of April. Um, how how are things over there? It's okay. Yeah, I'm 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 back to podcasting from the truck. We're on the road today, so you know this is feels like old times. I was going to say, look, we've all mod cons here. Look at you with your headset on in the car, living the dream. Um, <laughs> we are going to talk today, ladies and gents, about the Wales women's game against Canada. We're going to look ahead to the Denmark game, which, when you will be listening to this, will be being played today. We are going to look back at some of the Wales age group results. Uh, amongst uh, a few other things. We're going to start with a Canada game. Obviously, Ruth, the result is, I would say, unexpected. No, sorry, is expected. <laughs> Solid. I Yes, you know what I'm saying. You go. <laughs> you thought Canada were the better team. Is that yeah. what you're saying? Yes, that's what I meant. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, th- I, th- I think the 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 discrepancy in the, in, in the teams became sort of clear by the by the end of 90 minutes but but there was a lot a lot for us to take away from from the game i think a, a whole host of um changes that Gemma Granger is clearly trying to trying to embed uh, an interesting kind of 4-3-3 lineup some new players um we were clearly more on the more immediately um on the front foot than we've been in in some games, particularly against such good opposition. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think I I think the three nil is probably a does flatter Canada a little bit, but they they certainly deserve the win. I would say that I don't think the three flattered them per se. I think that maybe we could have done more to close the 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 margin of victory down. I think is a fairer way to say it. I think I um I thought. I like the way we tried to press a little bit higher up the pitch. And rather than trying what we did under Jane Ludlow was kind of sit back a little bit and wait for teams to come on to us in the in the kind of higher ranked and then try and break on them. We didn't always try and kind of press teams higher up the pitch. Apart from that, obviously, that one game in Norway. Um, yeah, in Norway. So I was quite happy with that. We were trying to turn the ball over in, in certain areas and kind of maximise our opportunities when we could. And I did like to see that. I, I I thought it was great to see some some starts, especially for Lily Woodham, who I think is super talented. So yeah, there was a, definitely some positives in that aspect. I think the frustration for me came came from, and will, I think has come for a while from. I feel like we kind of panic a little bit sometimes against these teams, and I felt like our passing. I mean, obviously sometimes when people are pressing you, there's not so much you can do. But I thought our passing, not under pressure. Um, was quite lax, I thought, at times. Yeah, there were times when we were clearly rushing passes, um, putting putting colleagues in, you know, the proverbial hospital pass to, to colleagues as well. I think there was a bit of that going on. When we did have opportunities in their box, we were kind of rushing and slicing opportunities as well, which obviously didn't help. Um I agree with you. I think the fact that we were a little bit more on the front foot tried to put them under some pressure rather than literally just soak up the pressure. I'd, I'd like to see that change. Um, 
I thought Angara James seemed to be literally everywhere yeah. on the field. Um, I think we did miss Hayley Ladd at the back. Not that Gemma Evans had a bad game particularly, but I think the knock-on effect of moving her inside, although Lily Wooden played well, I think we did miss Gemma Evans kind of going down the, the left wing a little bit. Um, I, I One of my questions about the four at the back is, we've got kind of used to Ingle having almost like a sweeper role back there in a five, haven't we? And being able to step up into, into midfield. And whilst I think I'm in favour of going to four at the back, because I think we need, we just need to get a little bit more of offensive as a team. I do wonder what the knock on consequence will be of not having Sophie being able to step up into the midfield quite as readily as she could do when it was a back five. So I think there's a there's a balance that we need to tease out there as well. And it was difficult to judge in this game for a host of reasons. You know, first time we've played like that in a long time. Didn't have her regular partner in Hayley Ladd at the back there. The quality of the Canadians. So I don't I don't think we can really conclude, <clears throat> excuse me what it means just yet but that would that would be a kind of you know query for me of what what this formation will mean because I think she's she's so powerful at controlling the games from that position that I wouldn't want us to lose that aspect of her play either it's interesting you say that because I thought Angara James was excellent as well but I, I, mm. the, the the notion of her being everywhere I think came from the fact that Sophie Ingle wasn't there if that makes sense and that's no criticism mm, yeah. of anyone I agree with you about um, Sophie Ingle I think she's better when she's kind of in, in that midfield area where she can actively kind of have more of a an impact on the game especially when we have the ball I think that was one of the things that we turned over the ball more often she's more she's a very careful sensible passer of the ball um and I think and I think having having her back in the center defense kind of lost us that um control and command of the ball a little bit and a lot of that was probably forced on on Gemma Granger in the sense that obviously Hayley Ladd dropped out so that you know it meant the rejig um, I do think I do think Lily Woodham was a little bit deeper than she probably would have liked as well. I, I, I perhaps yeah. don't think that helped. But again, you know, it's one game against one of the best teams in the world. I, I don't think we can draw too many negatives from it. Um, I did just want to kind of have a quick look at the uh, at the goals. Um, I thought they were three excellent, excellent finishes. The first one, like I say, I was a bit frustrated at the first one because obviously it, it came from an unnecessary turnover. But I think that is the difference between teams like us and teams like them, like the ball across the comp- and then the composure on the finish. Um, once Rose had found space, I thought was really excellent. Yeah, I think we we did give them, both Quinn and Rose, a little bit too much space there. And part of that was, it, as you say, it was a it came from an errant pass for us. So we were a little out of position defensively because we were anticipating going up the field as opposed to having, having to... Uh, watch their watch their strikers so it was a bit it was frustrating in that sense because I think it felt like we'd weathered we'd weathered things reasonably well in that sort of opening part of of the game um but you you can't give players of the quality of Quinn and Rose the amount of space that we we gave them and it was it was a very well taken finish you have to admit that yeah it it really was a, a very good finish the shame for me was I thought that we actually kind of contributed to, to that first half quite well. Mm. I, I don't think we were kind of overawed. I think any kind of chances they had were, you know, potentially self-inflicted. Um, 
you know, I don't think they kind of carved us open too many occasions. So it was a shame, I thought, to concede the goal in the way in the way we did, as as lovely a finish as it was. Um, I did think that that was a that was a bit of a disappointment. But obviously, going in one nil at half time, I thought that was obviously relatively positive. Um, the second goal, I have a a real thing about goals like that because when you're a centre forward to to try and kind of flick that ball on when you're sort of in line with the near post or in this instance just outside the line of the near post and kind of flick that past the keeper is such a difficult skill um again you know pinpoint pass but also such a neat finish yeah i mean it's really hard to defend that kind of glancing half volley off those low crosses um somewhat frustrating goal as well because it's it still did come from us playing a bit of ping pong in the midfield and and them harrying and and picking up the pieces from that again um so i i think there's a question about that goal too in the sense in the the sense of it's how it originated um but it was it was another example of their class i mean that's a tight low cross from the right and you know and and as you say veen's finishes it incredibly well because you've you're glancing at that volley and if you don't get it right god knows where it's going but when you get it right it's exquisite i mean speaking of exquisite the third goal <laughs> was i don't know should have been illegal um it was such a nice finish. <laughs> when you give the ball away in that sort of area again like we did you know obviously re- very well recovered um, you you kind of look at that circumstance and you like you you know you probably think to yourself I think we've probably got this covered here I think we're all right and then of course <laughs> cuts inside Fleming just a, a brilliant brilliant finish absolutely you know real perfect curl into the top corner that's one of those you just think bloody hell we're three 0 down here right? I don't want to say they haven't cut us open but they kind of didn't cut us open they were very, you know mm. the first two goals you could say maybe. Maybe not lucky, but we kind of opened the door for them. And obviously, the third one is is one of those goals where it doesn't matter who's had that shot; it's it's unstoppable, really. So, um, yeah, I guess just just credit where it's due for the third one because it was uh, it was really really good. Yeah, I mean, if 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 people haven't actually seen the highlights um, of of this, it's, it's it is genuinely worth watching two or three minutes worth just to see the three Canadians because they're all taken beautifully. But the third is world class finish to that top corner cross the keeper like that it, it it is a gorgeous finish yeah no no complaints there um i i thought like i say overall i think there's enough positives to take from the game i think it's really interesting the way the players were talking about things after the match and how much they've enjoyed the sessions and how positive they were about things moving forward i, th- I didn't think we mentioned this last week but and i, I wasn't sure it overlapped who had missed it but jess fishlock's comment of I throw all my medals in the bin if it meant I could play for if, I, if it meant I could play for Wales in a major tournament. I mean, if someone doesn't put if 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 Haley from Fee Wales doesn't put that on a t-shirt, I will. Um, <laughs> just uh, just a, just a brilliant brilliant comment and uh, just shows the continued passion that she has to play for Wales. Yes, and I, th- I think that's true. Across, I think that's true across across the board. And it it does look, in fairness, it looks like they've sort of hit the ground running as a group, and that that Granger has them well organized and that the camp's gone well i mean obviously we're going to to see the kind of smiley faces version of camp aren't we but you know it's it's encouraging um i was trying to think about what granger had you know what had she asked of them what was her kind of 
you know, what has she put on the table? So obviously she was demanding that they be rather more front foot, braver, a bit more open, play to feet a bit more. It didn't always necessarily work. I think there was there was a little less of us going through the channels, a bit more playing to feet. I think that's something we need, we need to improve. Um, defensively, I think there was a bit of ball watching on occasion. I, I think we we were watching the ball and not the players perhaps and a little bit too often. But if her kind of framework for the game was to push up, press them, you know, make make them earn their goals. I, I mean, I think they then I think in some in some respects we got most of that. I think there's there's still questions about how well we executed our possession of the ball. But I think in terms of playing, making the opposition do more, I think I think we hit that. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's quite a clever way I think she's approached these two games. Because, uh, you know, the, the old, I was thinking about why have we tried to change formation and setup and whatever as we face one of the best teams in the world. And it's kind of, I will obviously, anyone who's ever kind of trained football, you know, trained at any sort of sport, I suppose, over a certain age, I was always told when I was younger that you train with an extra jumper on and an extra pair of joggers on because you don't have to wear that on a Saturday, so everything feels easier on a Saturday. And in a much more complex way, this sort of reminds me of that logic in that this is hard against these girls. Bloody hell, these are really quick. Oh my God, we're trying this new formation and they're everywhere. And the next thing you know, we're playing it against slightly lower ranked opposition, perhaps in our qualifying group. And all of a sudden, everyone's like, oh, do you know what? This is, we're comfortable here. We're used to this. <laughs> you know, we, we're used to having to put in those extra yards to kind of close people down. Except this time we're getting the ball and we're having more time in possession. So I think that is the kind of logic she's gone for here, where this is as hard as it's going to get in this new formation. So you've got to be switched on and, and kind of uh, uh, ready for it. Um, so that once we play our qualifiers, the intensity is there straight away because it had to be there straight away in the in the build-up games, which um, I have no kind of clear proof if that's actually the case. But th- that's kind of the way I have looked and, and approached the, this in kind of looking at an overall bigger picture, um, which again, I, I'm not saying anyone deserves credit for it or not just yet because obviously we don't know how it's going to play out. But I do think it's possibly the way that she's looked at these two games and uh, and obviously will look at the, the game on Tuesday against the Danes. So, yeah, I, I thought that was that was quite interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's no point in deciding you want a new system for the qualifying games and not using it in these games. Exactly. You know, there's no, there's no point in just approaching these two games as they're they're much higher ranked <clears throat> serious opposition let's just lock them down yeah. when actually our problem has not been locking down teams our problem has been scoring and opening up teams yeah. so let's concentrate on let's concentrate on that yeah i agree um to look forward to what will be today's game tuesday's game against the danes um an interesting prospect they're 14th in the world rankings um a little bit further down the the ladder so to speak i tweeted today whilst they're a you know a good side i think denmark are amongst the teams the little batch of teams that are above us in the rankings 
that we should be kind of looking to compete with more on a regular basis, the kind of next bracket up before we jump into playing your Canadas and your Englands and whoever else, those kind of best team of the world in inverted commas. So I think that this is a good and interesting test where I don't think it'll be quite as tough as, as the Canadians, but it will still be a, a tough enough test to show us what we're capable of against that, that kind of next bracket of team, if you know what I mean. No, I, I, I can see what you mean. I, I watched um, <clears throat> the highlights of their game against the Republic of Ireland. They, they played um, Friday or Saturday. And Ireland, interestingly, have exactly the same place in the rankings as us, down to the point. Oh, really? Not, <laughs> they are literally on the same number of points as us. Um, and so it was a very interesting game from that point of view because you know i was picturing us as the irish as it were going up against against the danes and denmark ultimately won one nil um but that that it's one of those games that the irish were in it and they they hit the they hit the bar with a rocket of a shot that you know like a had a bowen-esque rattle to it off the off the bar um and the and 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 the the goal the the goal that the Danes scored it was one of those that literally went through the goalkeeper in a way that you think it's it must have been a magic trick because how did that ball actually get from that side of her and into the goal and then in fairness the Irish keeper Maloney she made some excellent saves in the in the rest of the game I, I'm, hats off to her to keep her head because it was a horrible error that let them score but she made some great saves going going into the game but. I think they are, that you could see that the Danes were probably a better team than the Irish, but you, but though you're quite right, there wasn't the differential that you saw to the Canadians. So I I I, I think when we talk about beating teams ahead of us, there is this this is this kind of tier from teams that are ranked in the sort of mid-teens through to the mid-twenties where we've we've definitely got a chance with there's enough about us i think that we can be going after these teams so i'm actually pretty excited about tomorrow at what tuesday's game yeah i agree i think I, I tweeted about it as like i said today you know there's russia who obviously we beat a couple of years ago iceland austria there's a lot of these t- sort of teams that are, i would say kind of very much at our level um, who I think we're capable of kind of getting something against. The one thing I'm interested, obviously, we've changed to a three at the back, uh, to a four at the back. Sorry, the the Danes like to play a, a three slash five at the back, depending on how you look at it, and um, have their kind of playmaker, the number ten in um, in Harder, who will who will kind of drop off. She um, is their kind of most potent threat. I think it's fair to say. So I'm intrigued to see if we will stick with the four or re- revert to the five just to see if that matches up with how they play or whether we will just kind of go at it and stick to our plan. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I would rather we stick to the four um, on the basis that I'd, if that's what we, as we were saying a few minutes ago, if that's what we are picturing happening and we get into qualifiers, then let's approach this in this, you know, in in that way. Um, the The Danes, obviously, they've got some star power, um, harder being the obvious one, but Sorensen, who plays for for Everton, is a very good player. She actually scored the goal in that in the Irish game. Um, they had a very successful qualifying. They they won nine, only drew one in their in their qualifying tournament. 
uh, you know, qualifying for for uh, the latest tournament. So I, I, I don't want to sound overly confident either. I think mean, I think we've got to be careful that we don't, um, you know, we don't go into this gung ho. But I but I I do think there's things things we can build on. In a very strange way, Dave, they remind me of our men's team in the sort of trajectory they're on. They had a, obviously a very successful Euros in 2017 when they when they got to the final and lost to the Dutch and then missed out on the World Cup in 2019 and then have qualified again for the Euros, which are now in 2022. So, you know, they've had a similar kind of pattern to, to our men's team and they're going through a similar transition as well, I think, where they're, they've they've let some of the older players kind of slide away and are bringing through a, a, a big group of, of younger players. Um, you know, in Harder, they've even also got, you know, the uh, most expensive player in the world. You know, there's, yeah. there's a lot about their team that... Um, that has echoes of, of our men's team of a year or two ago, interestingly. Yeah, it, it is really interesting. And there's, you know, there's a lot uh, about that. You mentioned the transition there. That's something I was really interested in. I just want to double check my maths. I think there's six players. One, two, three, four, five, six. Sorry, there's eight players with less than 10 caps. Mm-hmm. Um, which are in this squad, which I think is really interesting. There's a lot of them, obviously, like you've mentioned there, but who are still, you know, re- relatively experienced. Plus you have Christensen and Nelson who have got over 100 caps each. So they are kind of, you know, very uh, balanced in that sense. And they have some strong youngsters coming through, but also the the um, the experience as well. What I think is interesting about Harder in this game, obviously, like you said, the most expensive player in the world, she is one goal behind uh, Pedersen, who is Denmark's all-time top goal scorer, with 65 goals. So, not that I am advocating for a Danish win, but were th- were she to score two goals, she would become uh, the the Danish all-time top goal scorer, um, which I think is uh, quite interesting. Yeah, it's kind of cool. She's, um, yeah, I mean, she's she's obviously made a difference to, to to Chelsea as well. I think since she's moved, you, you know, they're they're not been not been a bad team recently. But I think you can you can see what she's added to um, to the sort of uh, meat of their midfield this this season as well. I think the Danes are in an interesting position because they're actually, if you look at the rankings, then they're the ninth European team which means in the upcoming draw at the end of the month, they are almost certainly going to end up in pot two. Um, they're not far behind the Italians who are in eight, but I don't think the respective results that, have, that are happening in this window are going to have enough effect on where the Danes are and where the Italians are for, for the Danes to overtake them. Um, so I, I don't know whether that kind of puts a chip on the shoulder that they feel that, they, they want to go after, uh, you know, they they want to make a statement <clears throat> by getting as close as possible to pot one or whether they've kind of shrugged their shoulders and, and accepted they're going to be in, in, in pot two. Um, so the I do think it shows the quality of the teams that are going to be in in that second pot. And, you know, it's it's one of those that we're going to have to beat if we want to try and get a playoff place uh, with us being with us 
almost certainly ended up in part three. Um, so I, I think there's a there's an interesting kind of bigger picture thing here in that this is exactly the sort of team we are going to have to overtake to to get into a second place in a in a qualifying um, a qualifying group. Yeah, I think that's that's an interesting way of looking at it, and I think I think that's why the last one. I don't want to harp back on harp on about that, but that was why that was such a big chance last time, mm-hmm. um, given the circumstance we were in there. I've just I've just seen. Sorry, just to, to add fuel to the flame that Denmark <laughs> have only lost twice in just about two years. Um, once to once to Norway and once to England. Um, so that's fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think the bigger picture aspect you look at, at this is 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 a really eye opening one because I think they are looking like the men, uh, like you mentioned, for the Welsh men to kind of take that next step, I guess, uh, in terms of being consistent qualifiers and moving from qualifying every now and again to seeing if they can kind of ha- play a bigger role in tournaments when they get there. So I think it is, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting, an exciting game. Can I uh, can I force a prediction out of you? Um, 1-1. Okay, I can go with that. I think, (laughs) I think I'm going to go 2-1 to the Danes, uh, mainly because I like seeing things like the the goal-scoring record thing happen, so I'd quite like to see that. (laughs) But also, I think they are that kind of, that one step up uh, on us, which I think will be too much of a too much of a bridge to cross i think is uh, is what i'm trying to say no i i, I think my, i think my one one is optimistic i will i will be honest <laughs> um to to move on from the women a little bit good luck by the way sorry i just moved straight on i was concentrated on what was coming <laughs> next and i just stopped thinking um good luck to the women obviously uh, we're looking forward to watching the game tomorrow night um to look um at a few other things. Um, Tom Lockyer has been injured and looks like he's very likely to miss out on the Euros. It's, it's a weird one. And I, I I said this to you in our notes. I, I'm not sure, and I mean this in the nicest possible way because he's a good player. I'm not sure there'll be, people will be gutted at the FAW because I there's an element of me that thinks they, this has maybe made a lot of people's decisions in terms of who goes to the Euros perhaps a little bit easier. He obviously was injured. He's not been playing much because of his recent injuries for Luton. And I just, and I, you know, and I feel awful saying that because he was a big part of those, the final qualifiers, especially the game against Hungary. Um, I, I, and I just, I just feel a bit for him, but looking at the kind of cover we have in that area, it's, it's not actually as big a loss as it, as it first kind of appeared, I think. You, you got the feel for him. Um, I think he's, I think he's, the timing of this injury particularly, but even just not not being involved much in the in the autumn when he'd been, as you say, so clear, so key in those last few games in the in the qualifying. Um, I, I can see your point about selection. I think um, he he might have been one of the ones that was you know on the cusp of a twenty three. A lot depends quite how you want how you want to make up your 23, whether you are just, for example, seeing, are you increasingly seeing Ben Davies as a, a centre half in a three as opposed to a wing back? And then that, you know, you, there's, there's lots of ifs, ifs, buts and maybes around the combination at the back there. I think, um, 
I think as it goes, there, there, there's people at the back that we would miss more than Tom Lockyer. And I think you're right in that if they're perming, God knows, seven or eight names from eight or nine, it's an easier decision than perming them from 11 or 12, just as an example. But um, I think, I suppose, yes, to answer your question, I suppose it does make it easier for them for, for them when you're just choosing from less people. I think this pretty much guarantees Chris Gunter's place in the squad. Not that I never think it was particularly under threat, but um, I think... He shown going given sorry his his versatility. I think he's shown he can play at the back in a in a three. He we obviously know he can play full back. He has played either side as well. So I I think Lockyer's injury is is possibly Gunter's game because Gunter has now been dropped by Charlton for the last two matches. Um, Adam Matthews ironically uh, has replaced him. So. I, I do think this something like that will will help him in I say help in the loose possible way. I do feel bad saying this because, like you say, I, I feel bad for Tom Lockyer. He's he's contributed a lot to us, so it is a shame. But I do think that this kind of confirms that Chris Gunter does not need to does not need to book a summer holiday this year. Yeah, I th- I think Gunter's versatility might be important. I think if if UEFA do lock us, particularly if they lock us to a twenty three. Um, I think his versatility is helpful, and then if it's a bigger squad anyway, I think I think he's in. Um, the situation with Charlton is interesting. He's come off the bench in the last two games, uh, so I don't know, given how regularly he's been playing and, and contributing. So I, it just seems a little bit funny whether there's perhaps a touch of a niggle or a knock there. I don't know. Um, so yeah, that would be interesting to watch going forward. Yeah, I assumed it was a case in the short term, at least, of kind of freshening things up a little bit. But uh, yeah, we'll have to kind of keep our eye on that. Obviously, we're talking about the the summer ahead there. Some interesting stuff come out this week that Baku is going to have uh, half its capacity. Um, And they've also mentioned offering, if you have a ticket, that kind of guarantees you a visa. Um, You don't have to kind of, you're not subject to the restrictions if you have a ticket and you've kind of passed your PCR test before you fly so that's interesting really I think that I think there's a lot of people I've seen on Twitter and stuff who will go um maybe not a lot is a lot sorry is a bit of a stretch but I think there's a there's a decent number of people who will go I don't know what your kind of life will be like in and around the city whether things will be open I'm not sure but I th- I think for those who can get there I think it's it's a uh, it's a good thing that uh, there's the opportunity for fans there. I've also seen today I don't know whether you've seen this that if Rome can't host games it looks like they may be going to Hampden Park um which would obviously be good for a lot of Wales fans. Um the decision on all of these things needs to be made by the 19th of April, which I think is a week today. So hopefully we'll try and be on the ball a week today and uh, and record this after the news comes out rather than before it, which is our usual party trick. Um, so, uh, yeah, I just wonder what you thought about the whole thing. I think it's very interesting. I'm glad that it looks like there's going to be fans in Baku, but obviously people like you and I who are hoping to go to Rome, it's still very much up in the air. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's it's just good to get some information isn't it it's, it's always been so woolly for so long and you can you can understand cities being reluctant to um to commit to anything right now so i think i, I think i'm grateful that the number of cities that have and have, have committed to in some cases quite high quite high attendances yeah. um 
the the allocation for the Wales fans originally at, at in Baku was was twenty thousand of just over about sixty thousand uh, seater stadium. So presumably we're going to drop to a ten thousand allocation. Um, and I I know UEFA were talking about a sort of random what they call a, a fair ballot, which I, f- I find an interesting adjective when it comes to football football organisations. Yeah. I'm sure um, the people with the expensive tickets will uh, have got a better <laughs> chance of keeping their ticket than the, than the poor people. Is it, yeah, that's, that's funny, isn't it? Um, so I, I, I think that what UEFA was saying was effectively they're passing that particular hot potato back to the FAW because the individual uh, country... Uh, you know, so the way the individual countries organise their supporter ticket allocation. So I think this is actually going to become the FAW's um, problem. Presumably, they'll kind of do things in in reverse, that if you if you were one of the later people to get a ticket because you're lower down the, the red wall queue, you'll be... So sort of, you know, last in, first out kind of yeah. approach, presumably is what they'll go for, but we, but we don't know. Um I also saw, um, I don't know how widely this is being reported, but certainly on the wonky sheep email that, you know, I'm on their circulation list, they indicated yesterday that um, there's the possibility of more tickets being released, which seems a bit strange to me. Uh, I don't know how that how that works, whether it's on the basis that we're given, we're given 10,000, but there isn't actually... Ten thousand people that want them in the end because of the because of the circumstances. Um, so I think I think there's still a lot of questions around around this, and and I think some people will you know if if you've bought your tickets as a group, you're either going to get them as a group or you're not. But if you've bought your tickets as you know a couple of individuals, and as there was three or four of you traveling, and but you've bought them individually, then you could have one or two of you with tickets and and three and four on the list without tickets. And I think I think that's going to be difficult for people to navigate as well, is, you know, teasing out what the particular allocations mean. You could have people that get tickets for one of the Baku games, retain tickets for one of them, but don't retain tickets for two of them. You know, do you are you going to go lay out that expense if you can only get to one game? You know, I think I think there's a lot of variables that are going to come into play for people's um, thinking here. I hadn't heard the news about Hamden. That's a bit frustrating because I gave up my Rome ticket. <laughs> <laughs> you did in the end, did you? Yeah, yeah, I gave, I gave it up because it just. Well, to be honest, Dave, at the time I didn't think it. I didn't think it would be any likelihood of me being vaccinated. Now, now it looks like I will be, um, and I can understand the Italians being being very very careful i think given the particular circumstances that that country has endured i I can understand them just like we just don't need this thank you very much um i'm i it would be interesting i i wonder why for example the italians don't try a capacity number but say it has to be local it has to be romans that are coming you know we'll we'll do 25% but you all have to live within you know these postcodes but, you know they could they could by the back door get a very partisan crowd uh, 
to those games. So I, I think it's interesting if it's reached a point where they're not even, either they're not comfortable doing that or UEFA have vetoed that particular scenario. Yeah. I, I don't obviously know, but just kind of reading between the lines of what's been said, I I think that the reason that Baku have said what they've said and done what they've done is because I think if you're going to allow fans in, then I think there has to be an element of both sides. I don't think you can just restrict it to the locals. Um, mm. Because what I think they're worried about happening, and so it's better to take ownership of it, is if you can say, I don't know, 20,000 Romans can go to that game, what will happen is that 20,000 Romans will buy those tickets load of desperate Welsh people who've been vaccinated or who can travel or whatever will try and get themselves over there and be tra- scrabbling to play to pay overpriced you know big money for tickets so I think in this way at least they can control the people who are traveling that was that was my take on it what I think will happen mm-hmm. ticket wise is I think on the basis there was another email that went out this weekend to some people um, who still have their tickets for certain games Rome obviously was the one that that I've still I kept mine I think what they will do is I think everyone who's retained their ticket assuming it stays in Rome or obviously it is going to stay in Baku but assuming it stays in Rome I think everyone who has retained their ticket keeps their ticket because I don't think that I mean if if that allocation for us drops down to let's say 10,000 are there 10,000 people who've kept their tickets one in two people who was given a ticket have, have kept it I would say it's massively lower than that so I actually think they will, if it's if it stays in Rome, I think what they'll do is those who opted to keep their ticket, keep their ticket. So all your groups and whatever else will stay the same. And I think there will then be the re-ballot, which will, as you say, get kicked back to the FAW. But instead of having 10,000, let's say, you'll get 8,000 because 2,000 kept their tickets in the first instance, if that makes sense. Um, again, I'm I'm saying that on pure conjecture, but on the basis that I got a, an email about my Rome ticket this weekend, I would imagine that that's the case. I don't know what obviously happens if it goes to Hamden, whether you retain your ticket in a different stadium or whether you just everything's back at zero and everyone kind of reapplies because obviously that'll bugger me up because I'll have no chance <laughs> when loads of people will be trying to get up to Scotland. So yeah it's very it's very very much in the air but at least by a week of the day we we would hope we'll have some sort of clarity on the situation um to look at one or two other things that we wanted to to look at was the age groups um the we'll start on the negatives and get positive um the under 21s lost to one to the republic of ireland um two goals in a minute pretty much from uh, the Republic of Ireland who came back from 1-0 down to win 2-1 got the goals um, you watched this game I think Ruth didn't you yeah yeah this was uh, the same time as the, the seniors window um, and played up at, at Colliers Park the new facility in, in North Wales um, interesting game. I think it's fair. It's fair to say that we were the we were the better team across the the ninety minutes. Um, the the age group has obviously been quite affected with people I, in the in the gap due to COVID. A lot of players have either aged out or they're already involved with the senior squad anyway. Um, so there was a, a lot of new players across across the game as a whole. There were seven new under 21 caps between the players that started and the players that came off off the bench. Um, It was really, it was a classic 
case of one of those friendly games where you make the substitutions and at about 65, 70 minutes and your shape disappears. Yeah. Um, that, that's what we suffered from. And that's how they, that's how they scored. The, the second goal in particular was, was horrible because it was just the most horrible defensive error, um, an errant back pass that was just shouldn't have happened. Um, and, and I, I can, you can feel for the boys that must've been really painful. Um, yeah. On the plus side, Joe Adams scored a lovely goal. Uh, so we went 1-0 up early, earlier in the game. Um, scored a lovely go, goal kind of low across the keeper. Really good shot. Nice build-up play. Um, so that was obviously a nice positive. Uh, Terry Taylor was captain for the first yeah. time. He, he went off injured with a head knock. And, and again, you could see the difference that his absence absence made he's a fine player i think i think we've we've uh, we're lucky that he's he's opting in in our direction uh so it, i mean it was a learning curve game I, I i think the you know there'll be a lot a lot to take from it there were, as i said there was a lot of new players uh when when we had effectively the first 11 out there we were we were the better team and we were playing some nice football and then it like i said it just got messy at the end uh, we also had two games against England, the under-18s and the under-16s. Um, the 18s, first game in over two decades, um, which I thought was really, really interesting. Um, Rob Edwards was the manager. Um, we lost 2-0. A lot of positives. I, I didn't watch the game. A lot of positives. Um, uh, I'm reading about it, though. Uh, Charlie Savage, Robbie Savage's son, uh, being an interesting one who played, and Kellen Williams. Um, who is Nico Williams's brother? Also played in the game as well. Did you see any of this? I, I didn't, unfortunately. Um, but as I said, I think you're right. From what I've been reading up on it, I think that, you know there's for a group that are moving together through the age groups. It was, you know, it is kind of what it is. Uh, positives to take from it in, t- in terms of the development of the of the team. Without you know without really having much to show for it, unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, we did, however, in the under-16s game, manage to beat England 3-2. We've kind of struggled to find information out about this, haven't we? But uh, we very much thought it was worth mentioning that we beat the English 3-2 at under-16s level. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I wish we were celebrating it and publicising it a little bit more. Even on the FAW site, there isn't information about it. We don't, you know, we don't get to be the English often. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's, blow let's the horn find about out it what's going on. Let's find out what's going on. And, you know, 3-2 win, you, we, should, we should be celebrating that. So well done to those lads. Yeah, absolutely. Congratulations to those involved. Uh, fantastic results. So, yeah, some, uh, some absolute positive, definitely some positivity there to finish. Um uh, to finish our roundup, sorry. I know there was one other thing that you wanted to mention, Ruth, and that was the Swansea City social media. Yeah, I just really I wanted to just doff a cap to to Swansea City for for taking the the step of the the team, you know, as a whole coming off social media and the players individually coming off social media as, as to to make it, you know, to start to make a point. I think Thierry Henry's. Uh, publicity around him coming off social media I, I think is a, is a step and then I'm, I'm actually very proud of Swansea City for being the first team to do this I know Rangers have done it subsequently um, and it's you know we you need the Manchester United Barcelona's of the world to be yeah. doing this 
But I I think it's important that teams make a statement when when they can. And you know, Swansea's got I don't know, a million followers on Twitter, so it's it's they're not nobody. Um, but you know, they are a drop in the ocean. But I do think it's I I do think that this is only going to improve by people taking proactive action because the platforms are refusing to do it. So I think we as users have to be a bit more proactive. Um, and and obviously that comes down to, you know, the, the organizations or the individuals with mega followers have to, have to be more pointed about this. And yeah, no, Twitter will, will not have missed Swansea for a week, but if it's Swansea and Rangers and, 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 then it's it's going to start having an impact, hopefully. I think that's the big thing, isn't it? Unfortunately, with all of these things, it comes down to finances is what kind of caused the shots. And I think if Swansea come off, okay, does it kind of affect anyone? No, it's an admirable thing to do, of course. And like you said, it needs to be an and and an and and an and. It needs to get to the point where a Cristiano Ronaldo with, you know, however many million followers he has, comes off and that has an impact on loads and loads and loads of other people um so i think that is it would be a massive massive step um and i think that would financially impact some of these companies and i unfortunately i think that's what it boils down to for a lot of them so until that changes and that happens i don't think they'll do anything so well done for swan to, to swansea sorry and their players for for taking a stand and making a difference i think that's uh it's really impressive uh and, and genuinely uh, effective stance to take, I think. Agreed. I think it it just it needs to be the start of something. Um, yeah. But I'm proud of them for for you know kicking this off. Yeah, it can't be the end, absolutely. Um, or a one-off, sorry, rather than the end. This is, however, the end of our podcast. Um, another seamless link. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to add, Ruth? No, just good luck to the girls. Um, you know, tough opposition, but uh, the the Irish showed we could we we're at a level we can we can go toe to toe with it with the Danes. So I'm um, I'm looking forward to the game. Yes, absolutely, me too. I think it'll be an interesting one, and hopefully my prediction is wrong. Uh, it normally is, to be fair. So uh, let's hope we can get a positive result and start the the Gemma Granger reign off with a goal at least. Um, well, thank you very much for listening, ladies and gents. Um, we will have a review of this game as well as uh, anything else that pops up this time next week. Hopefully we'll have some news for you when we record based around the the Rome game and the announcement that UEFA are set to make on the 19th of April. So keep your eyes out for that next week. Have a good week. Enjoy the game. Good luck to the girls. And we will speak to you very, very soon. Goodbye. Bye-bye.